0: You're listening to Light Church podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Today we're going to read from Ephesians 6:11 through 17. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that is the word of God.
1: Okay. As I said in the welcome, we are, um, we're going to start a new series. This was not the series that I intended to start today. I actually, David and I have been working diligently on a, a, a mini part series. Um, There's a, that's going to last quite a while actually of a lot of the core values of life church, um, and uh, he and I have been battling mostly about that particular series as far as what the title of that series would be and I have pretty much lost the argument on that one uh, with him and so after this series uh, that I 'm interrupting that series with you're going to you're going to get to enjoy a, a longer, lengthy series uh, entitled. A pretty decent church. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, so there you have it, alright? So that's what you have to look forward to, okay? After I get you through this spiritual warfare series. A um, little background on why we're doing this right now. If some of you will recall several weeks ago, I sort of confessed to you on the behalf of David and I, how much we were battling and how we felt like we were under spiritual attack. Um, Really, really seeing that... Uh, in our lives personally and feeling like a lot of times when the pastors are going through difficult situations and circumstances, that's a good indicator that many in the body are doing the same thing, that they, they are suffering in the same kinds of ways. And so we just brought that to your attention and asked you for prayer. Uh, thank you, by the way, for praying for us and for one another. And that's, uh, that's obviously uh, true because that Sunday in particular after the service Numerous people grabbed me, and I mean that in the literal sense, like pastor, and pulling me over to the side just a little bit to say, "Hey, that whole thing about being under attack as a family—we're there, we're in it, like we're we're right in the middle of it, and it's really, really challenging. Some even to the point of tears as they made that confession to us. Um, so obviously, you know, Life Church, you're doing some good things, and you're doing some things right because. The enemy is buffeting us. The enemy is coming against us. And one place that the enemy does love to uh, attack or to hit people is within their own families. But the greatest battle of all is in your own mind. That's, that's the enemy's battleground, is in your own mind and, and your own thinking. And so that's where I want to take us. I want to take us into that place of how we actually do spiritual warfare. How do we battle Uh, For our lives and for the lives of our, our loved ones and I realize that in bringing a series like this forth that Many of you maybe all of you. I certainly do I come here today with baggage You know, there's been some crazy stuff out there That's been done in the name of spiritual warfare and there's been unique things that have happened And here's the other thing about that whole piece some of you have been at points in your life where you were so desperate with the battle that you were in, that you were willing to do things that maybe in a clearer state of mind, you would never have tried. And that's okay. All right? That's okay. And what we want to do is we want to clear this up, and we want to learn how to do warfare and to fight our battles in the right kind of way. All right? And here's the other issue that we battle and struggle with, I think, in terms of spiritual warfare. In most parts of the world, the idea of conflict between spiritual good and spiritual evil is not an unusual concept. When I go down to Brazil, this is a a real piece. This is a real component that we work with down there with people. Uh, and, And it actually helps those people to clarify a lot of things uh, when they understand this battle that is waging, that, it, that is going on. Uh, you'll find this in other parts of the world as well. We here in America, we've, we've really westernized this whole thing of spiritual warfare, and uh, we've made it something, I'm afraid, oftentimes that it's not. And uh, we've even romanticized it. Um, And we have extremes. We have people who don't want to touch it, really, and just don't even believe that it exists. It's it's an overreaction, all right? Uh, And it's, it's making us less complex or less sophisticated as Christians if we go after those kinds of things. To the other extreme where we've got guys and gals who are wanting to put on a sword and they're running around prophetically doing all kinds of things and waving this and shouting this and blowing that and doing this and confessing this and claiming that and exercising this and delivering this and all this kind of stuff that's getting way, way out there somewhere. And, and, and honestly, some of that has to be reined in. But neither of those disqualify the reality that there is a real battle that is going on in the earth realm. And that is a battle of spiritual good and spiritual evil. And it is butting heads constantly all the time. And you and I can find ourselves the victim in the midst of that battle if we're not careful and if we don't know the truth. And so I want to do several things through this little series that we're going to be in here for a little while. Um, and uh, I want to invite you to go with me in this, all right? I really want you... I'm asking you, please, trust me here, okay? I'm not going to do anything crazy. Well, (laughs) maybe not do anything crazy. I'm not going to do anything that I believe is crazy, and I'm going to be sensitive to you if I ask things of you, all right? But I'm going to ask you to come along. I'm going to ask you to, to get on the train here with me, okay? And let's, let's, let's do this together. And I'm going to ask you to really be open to letting the Holy Spirit search not only your heart, but your mind. And really look at where you are, all right? And what is going on in your life as we talk about these different things. So, so I'm, I'm inviting you into this. And uh, for the next three or four weeks, I've already talked to some of the people who would be sharing the gospel with us. Um, We're going to not share the gospel like we normally do it. We'll we'll jump back into that in in three or four Sundays here, uh, doing it that way. But for the next three to four Sundays, I'm going to invite you to acknowledge the place you are in as we preach and come and stand with me here at the end of each service. And together... In an act of solidarity, we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray over you each Sunday, all right? That doesn't mean we're not sharing the gospel in what we're, we're preaching. But we're going to give opportunity for you, and I want you to be comfortable with that, um, of just being able to say, you know what, this is where I am. Yeah, today this resonates with me. Yes, this is a battle I'm in. And we're able to come, and we're able to pray, not just me pray for you in a pastoral capacity, but that we can pray for one another, that we can join together uh, as disciples making disciples. We are confessing and praying before one another um, and asking each other to hold each other up uh, in the spirit of prayer. Uh, so just want you to come with me in, in, into this series in a really personal kind of, of way. So that's the invitation that I'm giving to you, all right? So hopefully if you find spiritual warfare is a very foreign concept to you, that you can get very comfortable with it here. That's my prayer. That's what I've been praying, is, is that, that, that God will help all of us to open our hearts to these messages that are being preached. If you've got some baggage coming into this, um, let's, let's lay that on the Lord. Let's roll that off of us and onto to the Lord and let the Lord help us uh, and, and to bring healing and understanding into our lives, okay? So for us, I think, to, to really understand uh, that that we are engaged in, all right? And by that, I mean that this battle that we're in, I think we need to do several things, and there's three things that I, I want to bring out throughout this series, and, and that is, first of all, I want to bring out uh, who it is we fight. I think that's very, very important to understand our enemy. And then I want us to understand what we fight against. What, what, are, what are we coming against in this battle? And then I want to also help us to understand how we're to fight what are those strategies that we need to use in our own lives to be able to fight against the enemy, okay? So let me give you a quick overview of those things here this morning, um, as, and, and then I want to pray for you. First of all, who, who are we fighting? Uh, look at verse 12. Go turn, if, you don't, if you don't have your Bibles open, turn to that passage that that Susan read to you. I want you to be in your Bibles in this particular series, uh, very much so, okay? So I'm I'm not asking them to throw a lot of scriptures up on the screen. I want you to open your Bible and get comfortable with finding these passages in your Bible, because I want you not only to reference them, but to be able to to go back to them. I want you to be familiar with where they land in your particular Bible, okay? Um, So look for a moment at verse 12, and let's just read that verse again. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, all right? I want you to do something with me. Some of this stuff's going to get a little bit cheesy in the beginning, okay? But this is just the way we're going to go, all right? So I want you to look at the person on either side of you, close by you, and say, hey, I don't have a battle with you. All right? All right? If you're looking at someone across the room for whatever reason, just, say, just shake your head in the affirmative, all right? Let them know, my battle's not with you, all right? There is something that the enemy would love to do in the body of Christ, and that's divide us. Create conflict, all right? Listen, there is nothing that all of us cannot talk about together that concerns the kingdom of God. And for every one of us, We can be a person of peace with one another. We can do this because of the Christ in us. And the Spirit of God is all about us being unified together as a body. We are family. We are are in this fight together. And, folks, we need one another in this battle. One of the tactics of the enemy that we're going to talk about later on is that he would love nothing more. He's referred to as a, as a crouching or a roaring lion. There is nothing that he would love, rather do than to get you to feel as though you are isolated. By that, I mean that you feel that you are alone, that no one will understand what you're going through. No one's ever been what you're going through. They've never been through it, all right? And if anyone knew what you were going through, they would discard you or abandon you or reject you in some way. And these are all lies of the enemy, but this is why he's referred to as a lion. If you look at a pack of lions and watch them, there's a YouTube. Susan Booth hates this particular YouTube. Uh, and, and, and I thought about showing it to you today, but then I, I decided against it because I know a lot of others of you are big animal lovers, and it is intense. It's, it's, it's quite dramatic. But it shows uh, a pack of lions and they are looking at this, this horde of, like, antelope or, or whatever. uh just just, just a, big, a big group of them. But they strategically work with one another, pacing themselves out and around the herd. And then as time goes by, they start to move into the herd just a little bit. They start to get close. And they start to move sections of the herd through fear. They move them out and away from others. And what they're actually doing, they've already targeted a weak and vulnerable animal. And they are are together working to move the rest of the herd away from this one that is vulnerable and weak with the intent when they get the rest of the herd far enough away, they will attack that one, kill it, and destroy it. This is a tactic of the enemy of your soul to isolate you. To get you to feel as though you are alone, that you will be misunderstood, you will be rejected, that you will in some way be exposed, that all these kinds of things will happen. And that's going on in our heads all the time. And so we, we, we want to understand that our enemy is not against each other. We're here for one another. We're here to walk with one another, arm in arm. We're going to talk more about that whole concept when we get into the armor uh, part of this thing down the road here. But I, I, I want to lay it out for you today to help you to understand. I'm calling you to come together, not to separate or to isolate. And so if, a, if an area of your life gets tapped or if a trigger hits for you as we talk about these things, if something comes up for you and you're feeling very vulnerable, don't go off by yourself. <laughs> Don't isolate. Don't disconnect from the rest of the body. Stay with us. Stay in this because that's exactly what the enemy would want you to do. And especially in a series like this. And for some of you, you are already in touch with that peace. And that's how the enemy is operative. So I want to expose that and I want to encourage you that you trust the body. Folks, if we can't trust each other in here, we're never going to learn to trust anywhere beyond here. All right? So let's let's do this together, all right? So our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against rulers. Okay? Obviously, if it's not against flesh and blood, it's not against flesh and blood rulers, all right? Our battle is against authorities. Obviously, they're not flesh and blood authorities. It is against cosmic powers that are over, that have authority over, that cover this present darkness. It is against spiritual forces of evil. All right. So here it identifies the evil side of the spiritual realm. All right, And that evil is in heavenly places. And that evil has the ability to invade our thoughts and our minds. And so we are going to look at how that works and what we do to stand against that, all right? So we're going to learn how to expose the devil for exactly what he is by understanding what the scriptures say about him, all right? So we're going to do do just enough of that, all right, so that the enemy is exposed, but we're not going to dwell on that so that the enemy is glorified. All right? We're not going to give him place. We're not going to give him preeminence. And he doesn't have as much power as he would like for you to think he has. He has a level of power to be operative in this earth realm. But let's declare it. Let's understand it. I know you know it, but let's say it. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God is over all powers and principalities on this earth. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the powers of darkness already. He is victorious, and we belong to Him. All right? So that's positionally where you and I are going to live. And so as we look at all of this, that's where we are. All right. What... Are we fighting? I want you to look at verse 11. So back up one verse. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. We're going to talk about this thing of standing in depth through this series, okay? But what I want you to see right here is that we stand. We take a stand, all right? This is not an offensive act right here, all right? I'm not telling you to go hunt down demons and go find devils. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, don't do that. All right? That isn't your job. The Bible says you are to learn how to stand. All right? But we stand against the schemes of the devil. That word for scheme there really means the methodology of the evil one. In other words, we have to learn what the enemy's methods are, how he operates. We have to know how he functions around us and in our own head sometimes you say, well, pastor, you keep talking about in us. Are you talking about demon possession? No, I'm not. You are under the ownership of Jesus Christ. Let's clear that up right now. If you are under the ownership of Jesus Christ, you cannot be owned by the devil. Therefore, you cannot be possessed by the devil. All right? Now, you can be demonized, and the enemy can mess with your head and mess with your thoughts. And you can have old structures that, that are deceptive belief systems And even though you are saved and the Spirit of Christ is in you, your mind can continue to default to old patterns and old ways and old thinking and stuff that that keeps you bound up. And so truth has to come in and displace the lies of the evil one, and in doing so, you find greater and greater levels of freedom. So you go from faith to faith, from glory to glory in the Lord. And as that revelation comes, you have greater deliverance in your life from being demonized by the enemy. But in no way are we inferring that you are possessed by the devil. All right? You know Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate cost for you on the cross of Calvary, shed his blood and died for you, and then went in and and defeated the devil and took back the keys, and rose and is at the right hand of the Father. And listen, he is the primary intercessor for you right now. As I am preaching this stuff to you, that the enemy is constantly trying to bombard and and distort in some way, even as I'm speaking, Jesus is interceding and asking the Father to give you clarity and understanding so that you can be free. But we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. So we're going to expose the devil here and and, and what he is, but we're going to do that by staying in the Scriptures. We're going to look at what the Scripture says about the enemy and about his methods and how he works. And what that should do for you is that should help you to understand when you don't always know what's going on, but you know that something's going on and it's, it's, it's hitting you hard and you're battling or you're struggling with, with thoughts and, and, and feelings and emotions and those kinds of things. And, and I've had so many people walk in my office and say, I really don't, I don't get this or I don't understand this. I don't know what's going on with me, but I just, I, I feel this way. And it's a, it's, a, it's a range of feelings and emotions and thoughts from Uh, just like I I feel like everybody's against me or I just want to be angry and I'm not an angry person all the way to what I believe the enemy wants to take you to and some of you have been there in those moments when you've had meltdowns of some sort where it's like am I really saved? These are are legitimate questions that come into our minds and we're going to talk about those kinds of things, all right? So we're going we're to look at what it is, who it is we're fighting. We're, we're going to look at, at how he, he fights against us, and we're going to try to expose that. And then we're going to look at what we are fighting. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And turn in your Bibles, please, to that place if you've got them. And let me read this to you and follow along with me here. This is going to be sort of the, the, the sister passage to Ephesians 6 as we go through this series. Got it? Okay, let's look at it together. Beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not battling in the flesh, but we are walking in the flesh, all right? We are not waging war according to the flesh. Listen, take a deep breath and say to yourself, I don't have to fight that way. All right? This is another tactic of the enemy. He would love to you for you to fight things that you don't need to fight. Because in doing so, he will wear you down. And if he wears you down and you are are not energized to do the kind of battle that you need to do, he'll hit you there. And this is not a battle that we can fight alone or when we're in a very weak and vulnerable place. If you know you are weak, you need to find a brother or sister in Christ. And you need to ask them to help you pray and to war with you in the heavenlies. For the weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. They have divine power. Okay? Here's something else for you to, to, to... really take hold of. You don't have to fight this battle in your own strength. You, you, you can access a power much greater than your own. Divine power is yours for the asking. You can fight this. Whatever it is that the enemy is putting against you or your family, whatever the enemy is putting against this church or other churches in this community, we can fight that. And we do that by taking our stand. And we have this divine power at our disposal that destroys strongholds. It gives a a much broader definition or a deeper definition in verse 5 we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion our arguments lofty opinions that are against the knowledge of god and take every thought captive to obey christ see this is why i say a lot of your battles in your own mind you and i have to not only know the truth learn the truth and know the truth but we have to be able to take captive the lies the thoughts and the lofty opinions that come to us, all right? And they can come to us for a variety of reasons and from a variety of sources, um, far beyond just culture itself or or, or, uh, past trauma or, or something like that. The enemy will use any way possible to try and bring a lie or a deception and establish it in your mind and build upon it so that it becomes a stronghold, all right? So... With with that in mind and using that terminology, let me talk to you for a minute about what I I believe a stronghold is, okay? And I'm going to take you back into some Old Testament scriptures. Uh, You can just note them if you you want to. You don't have to turn to all of these. But if we're going to experience freedom, well, deliverance and freedom um, in our own lives and we're going to help other people to experience it in their lives, first, we have to remove everything that defends the enemy, Everything in your life, that could be a habit, that could, could, could be some, some action, um, that could be a thought process, um, that could be a belief system, but in, that could just be sympathy towards a particular sin our habit our condition, all right? So we have to be able to get rid of everything that in any way will defend the enemy in our own mind. And that means that, that, that every spiritual fortress, all right, place, stronghold, where the, where the enemy and all of his legions hide and are protected, it's got to be taken down. And you say, well, Pastor, you sound like I'm just full of the devil. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying there are places where if we are battling with habitual sin, if we are battling with trauma and, and emotions, if, if there are things that we are believing that are keeping us from a deeper relationship with the Lord, if there are, there are thoughts and processes in our, our mind that, that cause us to want to separate and isolate away from the rest of the body, these kinds of things, there's something behind that. There, there's something back there that we need to deal with. All right? See, here's, here's my opinion My opinion is that porn is not the problem. It's a symptom of something much deeper. All right? Anger is not the problem. It's a symptom of something deeper. All right? Fear is not the problem. It's the symptom of something much deeper. And and we can go on and on and on with those, all right? And we can identify these different things, but instead of saying, okay, you have a problem, you have a symptom, and there's something behind that that we need to get to, and oftentimes that's where the stronghold has been built, is back there somewhere. There's some kind of system of belief that is deceptive, and we've not only bought into it, we've become sympathetic to it, and now we've encouraged it or allowed it to take root or take hold and build in our lives. And so we have to get behind that and we have to dismantle or tear down the stronghold, that place where the enemy has some kind of authority. All right. Now, these fortresses, these strongholds that I'm talking about, they exist and they they, they, they thrive, if you will, in, in our thought patterns, in our mindsets, all right? Not only in you and I as an individual, but an entire church can have a stronghold. An entire community can have a stronghold. These are mindsets that we've taken on, maybe through history, through traumatic events, through circumstances, uh, and, and they set. And when they set, we become sympathetic to them, and when we become sympathetic, the enemy has a doorway in, all right? So before victory can come, before we can really walk in victory, the stronghold has to first be identified, and then it has to be pulled down and Satan's armor around it has to be removed. And, and by that, I mean, just, just as we're going to talk about the armor that we put on, that is our spiritual armor, the armor of God, Satan has armor, Satan has layers, Satan has things, uh, thoughts, whatever, that he utilizes to reinforce this stronghold in our life so that it can continue to feed it and it can, ten- can continue to stay and exist there. All right? So this passage that we're reading here from 1 Corinthians says we have now this divine power. And there's a power greater than your own strength that is capable of actually destroying strongholds. Take them out completely. You don't have to live with them. You don't have to fight against them. You don't have to put up with them, all right? They can completely be taken out, all right? And we can begin by taking thoughts captive. We can begin to destroy arguments and these lofty opinions uh, that, that come against us or that work through our, our thought process, all right? Let's look at what the Bible says about strongholds for a moment. In the Old Testament, a stronghold was a place that was used as a means of protection. That was protection almost always from an intruder or an enemy. They were fortified places, all right? Uh, they were places of hiding, Um, We find David hiding from King Saul in the strongholds in the desert. Um, In 1 Samuel chapter 23, it says that David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Uh, The men went up to Saul at Gibeah and said, is not David hiding among us in the strongholds? A stronghold is not a place that's easily accessible. A stronghold is is created or built in such a way that it's fortified. And so when we talk about strongholds in our lives, whatever that may be, we're not talking about a simple little random sin that happens occasionally. We're talking about mindsets that have been there or they're entrenched in us over a period of time. There are places that that have taken root in our lives that hold us in some way. Now, in, in the case of David, a stronghold could be protection for us from the enemy, all right? The Lord becomes our stronghold, all right? In, in Psalm 18, and, and mark this verse, because this is a verse you want to learn, this is a verse you want to hold on to, okay? In verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, the place I go, the fortified place I go where I cannot be touched is God. All right? So that's where we are going when we are under attack. We go not to the world. We go to God. We don't go to culture. We go to God. We don't go to good ideas. We go to God. All right. And, and when we say we go to God, we mean we go to God in the sense that we go to our Father and we hold on to the truth that He gives to us. And we work out of that truth. All right. So that is a structure that is protected and fortified that we go into is our God. All right. And so hold on to that. And, and I love that it says that it is God that is my deliverer, and I want to just make a a statement to you here that I want you to really hold on to. If you're going to depend on yourself for your deliverance, you're going to be in bondage. The Bible says that Jesus came to set the captive free. If you think that you're going to deliver yourself, You are sadly mistaken. Oh, I know you can stop sinning. You you can quit doing things for a while. You know, you can muster up enough strength, especially if you're in in a, a community of people and you don't want to be exposed, you can go a while. You can determine that you're going to do certain things. But the end of that will be you declaring that you have delivered yourself. You have saved yourself. And in that place, God gets no glory. And God's intent in saving you is not just that you would be free, but that he would be glorified, and your deliverance and your freedom would be a witness to others in bondage. And so God's intent is to give you the opportunity for him to do what you could not do for yourself. Just as you could not save yourself, Jesus saved you through the cross Through the death and his resurrection, now it is Jesus who will deliver you and keep you in freedom. And you cannot do that for yourself. And to try is a dangerous thing, actually. We're going to talk more about how we engage the enemy as we go forward. But this, this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that a stronghold can be a source of defense for the devil. Where, where demonic or sinful activity is actually defended within us by our being sympathetic to the evil that is there. You say, well, you, just, you make it sound so hard and so harsh, and you're making us sound like we're such evil people. No, oh, you are beautiful, wonderful people. You are born again. You are highly valued. Jesus has given everything for you. You're worth more than anything else on the face of this earth. But that does not discount the fact that there is a roaring lion out there who is seeking who he can devour. Let's don't pretty up the devil. All right? Let's let's be honest that some of the battles you are going through are not only self-destructive, they are dangerously destructive, And if you don't get off that path, that destruction is imminent or are certainly out there waiting for you. Because the enemy has a number. He understands what it is that he can put in there and come into agreement with you and you will sympathize with him on. This is why, guys and gals, too, sometimes... You can go a long time without looking at porn, but then you just wake up one morning and, and after the fact, after you've binged on it for a little while, you're thinking and wondering, What just happened? What did I just do? Well, you came into a sympathetic agreement with the enemy who moved your focus off of a sovereign God, and you abdicated lordship of Jesus Christ for a few minutes. And he put a huge temptation in front of you, and you bit it. He hooked you, got you, you committed the sin, and now he's reaping guilt and shame on you. And now lies are coming to you saying, I'll never get better. I'll never overcome. I'll never be victorious. If anybody finds out about this, I'm sunk. I'm, this, is, this is a horrible secret, and I am stuck with it. And that means bondage. You don't have to live that way. I'm just using that example as one of many. We'll talk about others as we go along in the series, but that is, that is how the enemy can work. All right. So, so when we speak about strongholds here, we're not talking about just random thoughts and occasional sins. We're talking a stronghold is something that affects us, and most of those strongholds are hidden, and they're hidden so deep in us that our and, and, and so far down into our thinking patterns that we don't recognize them ourselves oftentimes. We don't identify them sometimes even as evil. And guys, you're really good at this. It's called compartmentalization. And you'll... Ladies, you can do it too, but guys, you're really good at it. You'll put your sin in a box and live as though it's not there. And in the the most unique moment in any given day, you'll just pull that box out without it feeling like there's anything wrong with doing that until it's done. But when the deed is done, then the enemy comes back to you with the second round of battering with the shame and the guilt and the confusion. Are y'all getting this? Are you with me? Are you tracking with me here? This is serious for our freedom and our deliverance. (laughs) I had no intention of preaching this series. I was going to do that decent little church and be all right with it. But it's like when I started to hear from you and you started to talk about the things that you're battling, it's like, no. And I'm like, I just walked in one morning and I was like, David, I, I can't do this. I can't do this series right now. We we have, we have a little team that that comes in once a week and 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 they talk to David and I and we we share things with them and they get to push back on stuff like that we're thinking about for sermons and plans and they they didn't know that this was going to happen. Sorry guys. Okay? But but they thought we were about to be a pretty decent little church. But it's like this is where we are, and, and we got to look at this, and we got to deal with this now because some of you, you have been battling a long time, and you're battle-weary. You're tired, and there's a couple of you have told me that you're ready to give up, and I, I can't handle that. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> not, not without the proper fight, not, not without an opportunity to stand and do what we have to do and then stand, all right? And I'm telling you that if if we get this right, there's a time when we are able to exercise our authority in Christ and we can resist the devil. And as James says, he's got to go. He has to flee from us. And that's where I want to get you to. That's where I want to bring you to, all right? And so as I'm talking about this stuff over the next few weeks, you're going to go through this little season here, a a quick little season, but a season here, uh, probably of where there's going to be some real internal conflict in you. Some of you, you're going to start to feel some things like stewing around inside of you, all right? Turmoil is going to hit you. And folks, that's a good sign. That's evidence, all right? That means the soul is willing to be free. That means that there's a place down in you that longs to see the freedom come and you want to be different than you've been before. And so that angst and that turmoil is working and battling against this demonic stronghold that the enemy's been trying to put over you. And so you're ready to stand. the enemy will try to take you down, but you're going to stand because you're going to know the truth. And the truth you know is going to set you free. We're going to have to... I'm gonna I'm gonna move over a little bit here because I wanna I wanna talk about one more thing. We'll go back to this whole thing of strongholds, and we'll hit it several times through these various uh, Sundays in the series. and And I want you to understand that I'm gonna take you through the whole armor of God piece. I'm not gonna put some you know flannel board Roman soldier up here. I'm not gonna do cheesy stuff about fighting like a Roman soldier. And, and that kind of stuff, I'm going to talk to you seriously, uh, out of context, what it means to put on these various pieces of armor, and hopefully you're going to see it much different than maybe you've seen it, uh, and it's certainly not going to be this romantic story that we got growing up in, in Sunday school, okay? And, and I'm not faulting anyone for what they taught you when you were a kid, but you're an adult now, all right? We're going to eat meat here, and, and we're going to get free, and we're going to grow, We're going to be everything that God wants us to be. We're going to flourish together as the body of Christ. Turn to John chapter 8. I want you to look at two verses there, verse 31 and verse 32. I'm going to close with this piece today, and I'm going to give you a chance to come and let me pray for you. you. I would recommend you get a journal and bring a journal along, all right? Because there's going to be some good, rich stuff for you in the coming Sundays that I think are going to be very helpful things that you're going to want to refer back to, and you say, well, well, I think I kind of know it, uh, good, but get it down, get it down, because if you're going to be in a D group, or you're going to disciple someone else, this is the kind of stuff people need, all right, this will give you, this will give you a lot of, of good bread, truth, to bring to other people that you are working with, all right? So this isn't just for you today to get you free. See, my, my goal is if, if you're free, you'll set others free, all right? If you're delivered, you'll help others find deliverance. And so the multiplication goes out, all right? And I'm not asking you, okay, go, go set a bunch of people free and bring them into Life Church. We're growing. We're good, all right? That's not, that's not the, the, the goal here. The goal is freedom in Christ for all, all right? So I just want you to be able to be effective in where you are and in in the sphere of influence that you have, all right? If you abide in my word, you're my disciple. Indeed, all right, you are, regardless of what the enemy tells you. If you abide in my word, you're my disciple, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want to help us to understand this a little bit better than maybe some of us have understood it in the past. The popular belief is that truth will set us free. But what he's really saying here in this passage, I mean, mean, that's right. It is truth that sets us free, okay? But, okay, look at me for a minute. It is the truth you know that sets you free. The truth you know is what sets you free, all right? So let me try to put pictures in here for you. Suppose that you are wrongly accused of committing some type of gruesome crime, let's say a murder, all right? You're, 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 you've been accused of committing a murder. Um, now, because it seems really sure to you, like you believe, like you've, you've bought into a belief, and that belief is that, that you would not get a fair trial and that you would be sentenced to death and so you choose to run rather than stay, all right? And so you go into a life of hiding. So your whole life, you are hiding. Let's say that you, you choose a desolate place, all right, a, a fortified place somewhere, and, and maybe you even have very minimalist conditions or whatever, but that's where you're living your entire life is, is in that place, all right? And you have no communication with, with anyone in the outside world. And then one day, the true murderer confesses, admits to the crime, your name is cleared. You're free. But there's one problem. Although you're free, you don't know it. You don't know that you're free. And as a result, you live the rest of your life in hiding, robbed of the freedom you could have enjoyed you getting it? Now, that's regrettable, and that is the experience of many Christians today. We know that the truth sets one free, but we don't know the truth so that we can live in the freedom. And this is where you have to be proactive and take the initiative here, all right? because the minds of the Israelites were still enslaved, they were not able to possess the promised land uh, properly. All right? They were wandering in the wilderness. They had been delivered from the bonds of slavery, yet they were still thinking. They still had a mindset or a mentality like a slave, and so they lived out of that mentality. And Jesus has come to set you free. Jesus has set you free by his death and resurrection. But if your mentality is still that you are enslaved to something, you are a slave. And so you need to know the truths that God has for you so that you can live in that freedom. See, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you think you're free and you've appropriated the work of Christ on Calvary, you're free indeed. But if you really don't believe you're free based on experiences and conditions and habits and current sins, you're not free. You're still bound. You're still enslaved, though Christ has paid the price for you. I remember when I was a kid, young kid, So this would have been, oh, probably almost 60 years ago, 50-plus years ago. I was a small kid. The circus came to our little town in Georgia. We were just a little tiny town, but this little circus came to town, and they had an elephant. And the elephant was, was put out by... We had little bitty asphalt roads... There, was, there were nothing to speak of. They're very narrow, and they had ditches on the sides, and the water ran down the ditches when it would rain. And so they put the elephant in a little, a little lot uh, right next to the school, and they put a, a big iron uh, chain around his leg, like a, a, a metal band, and it had a, 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 a chain to it. And it went to a stake that wasn't so far away, but a little ways away. You know, and, were, and, and I watched these two men. We got to go down and watch them unload everything. It was a great day in my life, okay? And, and these men are taking these big old hammers, and they are hammering this stake. They had put the, the, the stake down into the, to, to one of the chains. And, and they hammered it into the, to the ground, way, way into the ground. And so the elephant moved around, but all of a sudden the elephant did this and stopped. That was as far as the chain would go. And so this, this leg of this elephant is there. And I never could figure out. I was like, how does that chain hold that elephant? Man, a That's crazy, isn't it? And I never understood it until years later, and I found out what the deal is. Those chains go on elephants when they're babies. When a baby elephant has a chain around its leg. It's not strong enough to get away from it. And so as the baby elephant moves about over time and reaches the limit of the chain, and the chain pulls him back and yanks him, he's conditioned in his mind, his brain. And his brain says, I can't get away from the chain. And so the brain tells him all through his life that the chain is stronger than he is. And even though he's grown up to be an adult and could definitely break that chain, the elephant stays bound because his mind tells him he can never break free. There's nothing the devil would rather do than to keep you believing that freedom is out there somewhere and you can never be free. You can never get to it. The that you're conditioned that way. Listen, if if the bull in the arena, in the bullfight, just understood that his battle is with the matador and not that red flag, the game would be over. (laughs) Would it not? If he just had the truth, he would know what he's fighting against, and he'd be done, and so would the matador. This is where we are. All right? The truth is that both the elephant and the bull are really victors. But their their ignorance and their, their mental conditioning makes them victims. And the devil wants nothing more than to make you a victim. In Christ we are free. That is the truth. But an unrenewed mindset can keep us enslaved. Jesus said that if we would live our lives in his word, then we would know the truth, and the truth we know will set us free. All right? So a lot of this spiritual warfare is knowing the truth. How many of you are reading your Bibles? How many of you are in the word? How many of you are in a Bible study or a word study? How many of you are doing things to grow in the truth of God's word? This is a beginning point, all right? All right? This is a place we have to be, all right? Thank God for deliverance. But remember something. Deliverance is not freedom. Deliverance prepares us for our freedom. Don't simply settle for being delivered, all right? Don't just get saved, all right? Israel did, and they became stalled in the wilderness. Have a mindset of freedom. Possess your promise. I got to quit. Here's the application for us, all right? Old mindsets are hard to change. They really are. Salvation is the, is the beginning place, all right? It's the first step in our walk to freedom. And you and I have got to walk that freedom together. So here's the questions for you. Are you saved but continue to live a life of defeat? Do you live as though your problems are bigger than God? Do you focus on the problem rather than the promise Are you like the the grasshopper before the giants? Or are you really a conqueror, more than a conqueror in Christ? Are you delivered, but you continue to live in a wilderness, and you don't have a real purpose or a real vision? On the other hand, could you be a Christian whose mind has been liberated by the knowledge of Jesus Christ? and His truth. If so, you would see yourself as God sees you, free to possess His promises. You would be living in His Word, and His Word would be coming alive in you. Remember, freedom is not just based on truth. It's based on the truth we know. Where are you? Where are you today? Here's what I'd like for you to do. Some of you are going to need to do this quick and go get your kids, because it's 11.32, but they they know that I might be... a couple of minutes late today. I'm backing up here because I'm inviting you to come and join me. Did any of that resonate with you? Do you feel like you're in some of those places Have you been fighting this kind of battle? Do you want a greater freedom in your life? I do. I want that for me, and I want that for you. And here's how I'd like for us to start this series. If you want a greater freedom in your life, I just want you to come down here and as an act of solidarity, stand with me because I'm standing. The Bible says when we've done everything to stand, stand, stand. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to come and stand, all right? And we do this together as a people who want to live a life of freedom in Christ and glorify Him. So come, if you want to join me in this, little journey. I want to pray over you, and then we'll be done today. The the praise team is going to come. They're going to be ready to sing a song. We'll sing together. All right, there's a whole lot of people coming, so come in a little bit, all right? Let's just, we're a family. We'll be all right for just a few minutes. I'll, I'll pray quick. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, here we are together. We are a family. We're going to do this thing together. We're going to walk this out, and we're going to be strong and faithful people, and we're going to be free. We're going to live that freedom for others, not just for ourselves, all right? Let me pray for you. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You are the authority. There is no other. We we don't have anywhere else to go today but to you. Look down upon us with grace and mercy. Holy Spirit, flood our hearts with revelation and understanding. Let the power of truth known set us free. God, give us wisdom and the strategies to be able to overcome everything the enemy is throwing at us. Help us to have the ability and the power to take captive every thought in our mind that sets itself up against you and the very knowledge of you. God, keep us in a spirit of humility and brokenness as we come to You. And we pray, God, that we could see You right. We could see You according to truth. We could could know that You, our holy God, is the Father that by the spirit of adoption have brought us into the family. You have paid the ultimate price through Jesus Christ, Your Son. And so now let us live out that Wonderful gift of eternal life. When the Son sets free, it's free indeed. Thank you. And now by faith and by knowledge, let the Spirit of truth baptize us today. And may our minds be renewed and regenerated. May our spirits be renewed and sanctified. And may our bodies be set apart for your glory that you can do what you need to do in each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the whole body says, amen, amen.